a description. For the sake of validating this premise, Don Juan concentrated the best of his efforts into leading me to a genuine conviction that what I held in mind as the world at hand was merely a description of the world, a description that had been pounded into me from the moment I was born. He pointed out that everyone who comes into contact with a child is a teacher who incessantly describes the world to him, until the moment when the child is capable of perceiving the world as it is described. According to Don Juan, we have no memory of that portentous moment, simply because none of us could possibly have had any point of reference to compare it to anything else. From that moment on, however, the child is a member. He knows the description of the world— and his membership becomes full-fledged, I suppose, when he is capable of making all the proper perceptual interpretations, which, by conforming to that description, validate it. For Don Juan, then, the reality of our day-to-day life consists of an endless flow of perceptual interpretations which we, the individuals who share a specific membership, have learned to make in common. The idea that the perceptual interpretations that make up the world have a flow is congruous with the fact that they run uninterruptedly and are rarely, if ever, open to question. In fact, the reality of the world we know is so taken for granted that the basic premise of sorcery, that our reality is merely one of many descriptions, could hardly be taken as a serious proposition. Fortunately, in the case of my apprenticeship, Don Juan was not concerned at all with whether or not I could take his proposition seriously, and he proceeded to elucidate his points in spite of my opposition, my disbelief, and my inability to understand what he was saying. Thus, as a teacher of sorcery, Don Juan endeavored to describe the world to me from the very first time we talked. My difficulty in grasping his concepts and methods stemmed from the fact that the units of his description were alien and incompatible with those of my own. His contention was that he was teaching me how to see, as opposed to merely looking, and that stopping the world was the first step to seeing For years I had treated the idea of stopping the world as a cryptic metaphor that really didn't mean anything. It was only during an informal conversation that took place towards the end of my apprenticeship that I came to fully realize its scope and importance as one of the main propositions of Don Juan's knowledge. Don Juan and I had been talking about different things in a relaxed and unstructured manner. I told him about a friend of mine and his dilemma with his nine-year-old son. The child, who'd been living with the mother for the past four years, was then living with my friend, and the problem was what to do with him. According to my friend, the child was a misfit in school. He lacked concentration and wasn't interested in anything. He was given to tantrums, disruptive behavior, and to running away from home. Your friend certainly does have a problem. Don Juan said, laughing. I wanted to keep on telling him all the terrible things the child had done, but he interrupted me. 
There's no need to say any more about that poor little boy, he said. There's no need for you or for me to regard his actions in our thoughts one way or another. His manner was abrupt, and his tone was firm, but then he smiled. What can my friend do? I asked. The worst thing he could do is to force the child to agree with him, Don Juan said. What do you mean? I mean that that child shouldn't be spanked or scared by his father when he doesn't behave the way he wants him to. How can he teach him anything if he isn't firm with him? Your friend should let someone else spank the child. He can't let anyone else touch his little boy, I said, surprised at his suggestion. Don Juan seemed to enjoy my reaction and giggled.